0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you... Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com ifanboy.
1: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 875, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. This is Josh Flanagan. And, and before I introduce my co host, Chronicle Patrick, I'd like to say that anything that was said last week <laughs> cannot be held up in the court of law for reasons I can't fully get into. But he's back. And listen, let bygones be bygones. What may or may not have been expressed to thousands of people mm-hmm. in either a negative or positive way, it's best we just leave it alone. Connor, let's just talk about comics.
0: I, interesting, because <laughs> I haven't finished the episode yet, but I should direct my lawyers to finish it. And then I mean well did you, did you not do you proceed from that?
1: there. Do you not do that as a matter of course?
0: <laughs> have them listen to every episode? I usually pre yeah. have them pre screened before we put it out, but I wasn't on the show. So
1: Yeah, well they listen to everything that we do. I usually run stuff past them before I even publish the shows. Is this okay? I'm like it's fine. This is Pick of the Week. I fit one Pick of the Week episode 875. Two jamokes. We're here. Every week one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. We call that the Pick of the Week. We will talk about that book. That is the Pick of the Week. The titular name. Titular name. That's redundant. We will talk about other books in the week. We will talk about the patron pick, which is the the patrons, which are the people who who patronize us. Wait, that's not right either. They pick a book, we talk about that. We'll get to listener mail if we have time. There'll be spoilers if you haven't read the books, within reason, you know? So that's on you. Connor, thankfully, you had to pick this week. And I only mean thankfully because it wasn't like before. I was like, oh, thank God I didn't have to pick. I just had done it previously, and I didn't want to do it again.
0: I understand. And just as a note, both Josh and I are recovering from being sick this week. So I don't know. If Josh passes out in the middle of the show, that's why he disappeared.
1: I would be more likely to forget that I'm sick during this. I guess, and then pass out uh-huh. or pass out later. Once the endorphin rush
0: goes away, and then you're- Exactly. Like that would oh, be my a problem.
1: <laughs> hey, the pick of the week is you're Deceased.
0: <laughs> War of the Undead Gods, number eight of eight. The final issue in the Deceased Saga, which began five years ago. Is it five or four? I think it was five.
1: I don't have any idea.
0: Safe <laughs> to say one of our favorite things in comics over that time period through the various miniseries from deceased and deceased
1: uh to electric boogaloo
0: i don't remember the names of the books but they were good
1: it's kind of crazy that like it ended and i was like wow this is actually the end (laughs) i'm not used to that feeling in comic and i I tell you frankly didn't want it i didn't want it
0: yeah it it was that because the previous miniseries they ended somewhat open right because it's about the story of this virus that turned everyone into dcu kind of like into zombies and the battle against that And the first miniseries ended, and the story they were told basically ended, but they didn't defeat the virus, it was still out there. Then they had a second miniseries, and that one ended the same way, and that's when we realized they were doing like a whole saga here, and they had some side miniseries as well. But this one ends pretty definitively, and also, I was reading this thinking that, you know, in the ongoing quest for you and I to understand modern comics, what's going on with them, why they don't feel the same way, it can't just be age. You know, why this whole event, and this particular miniseries. And this particular issue felt like comic book events used to feel as opposed to what they do now, which is nothing. There's no dramatic heft to any mm-hmm. comic book miniseries I've read in over a decade. And from the discussion amongst the listeners, it seems to be that's the common feeling. Whereas this felt like that. Those books used to feel where characters were in trouble and that we knew they were going to win, but there were stakes to that victory. You know, Emotional moments, great character pieces, big action sequences. The team coming together to save the day against all odds. And just for whatever reason, this book really worked in that sense. Whereas anytime Marvel or DC tries an event book these days, it just just feels hollow and, and uninteresting. I think well, it's because I mean, over five years, this story's earned this moment, right? This it told this really big story, and we've you know we've been following these versions of these characters for five years, really earning this ending.
1: I think that it's it's not exactly one to one because when I think of an event book, it, historically in my mind, it tends to be in continuity, and so mm-hmm. this book has some of that freedom. This book feels more like. I mean, it's, it's a macro series that's... It's an Elseworlds macro series. And I'm using Elseworlds mm-hmm. in the general sense, not the branded sense. Yeah.
0: Well, they don't use it anyway, so I might as well use
1: it. Right, yeah. No. Like, But maybe more like uh, like Invincible or one mm-hmm. of those image series that goes, you know, 35 issues or something like that. But it has the added benefit of it has all the markers and the characters and the all the stuff that feels just like mainstream comics. You know, but we've learned... Not to trust mainstream superhero comics in continuity because what they say is isn't going to stick. And right. with this, you know, y- you have well, that. I mean, I, I would push back a little bit of that because we've always known it doesn't stick.
0: It's just a matter of how the story plays out. And I just think that the way the stories are written in mm-hmm. the, in the event sense haven't been in a way that's dramatic or interesting. But keep going.
1: It's just it's not a, it's not a fair because they can end this and it's ended if they want to tack something on in the end, it's fine. But there's no consequences for what they do in this book affecting things in another book. Now, it is a perfectly reasonable thing to say, yeah, but it, it turns out they don't really do that with the other books either. They just do what they want to. But at least this gives you the illusion of being in a single timeline, in a single thing, and you don't have to get rubbery with any of the facts. But at the same time, because two things, because they are all familiar characters, and they're all pretty much straight up you could break off this timeline from a normal point in DC. Like, They're you, pretty you much classic look at, DC type characters. Right. Yeah. So like say that when the time that this story started, however many years ago, you know, you got John Kent and, and Damian Wayne, you know, it's a little after where if, if comics kept aging like five years ago and you pushed ahead three or four years, that's where these guys are. And it's not like there's a different Batman, you know, he's got a different costume or there's a different origin story for somebody. It's all roots, DC stuff but branched off, and what if this happened? And you go from there. So it it feels very much of a piece. Like, like this is what could... Yeah, it's interesting. This is like Aftershock, the earthquake. Cataclysm. Uh, cataclysm. Yeah, no yeah. This is like that, except it is out of continuity, where that happened, where all of a sudden, everything in Batman was affected by this thing. We were in it for a long time. They were able to tell that story and go forward and end it. You know, but it was in continuity. Mm-hmm. I, that's like one of those those events that sort of, in our adult lives, you know, not just when we were kids, was great and worked really well and came to a conclusion. But it actually happened in continuity. And I cannot see that happening now in any way that, I guess, no, I guess I, it is happening over at Batman, but it's terrible.
0: Well, kind of. I mean, the stories are, I, I, I don't want to get back to the book, but the stories are sure. told differently now. Mm-hmm. They're less sprawling epics of, with a month-to-month chapter. It's It's more of these yeah. six-issue arcs that don't usually amount to a bigger story. They're usually, you know, not the soap opera. And Cataclysm worked because, you know, multi-year-long soap opera that was happening, Mm -hmm. whereas they tend to restart after every six issues or five issues.
1: But, you know, like we've had this, we've had his other book, uh, Dark Knights of Steel, which is, Mm -hmm. is it still in the same first miniseries? Are we under a different one? it's the same. All right, well, either way, it's 10, 12 issues, something like that. We had uh, DC versus Vampires, which sort of went through this kind of thing. DC at least is carving out a space for this. I think Marvel does it too, but not as long form. DC's always been willing to with the Elseworlds title take their characters. But you know, either off way, in a end of the day, if uh it isn't done with exceptional care, and I think that really is the secret ingredient here, is Tom Taylor mm-hmm. just doing these DC characters and knowing their emotional beats in exactly the you know the right way, that's what makes it work. Having Alfred in this story, the way that he is, and hitting those emotional beats is, I, I think, what sells the whole thing.
0: Oh, absolutely. This isn't as good without the character moments. But I will say, I started reading this issue, and after the first page, which is Scott, Free, and Barda, the people have been resurrected, right? They found a mm-hmm. way to cure everyone who had the disease. Some of
1: yeah. People who weren't eviscerated. The ones who weren't
0: destroyed, yeah. Yeah. The ones who weren't killed, the ones who were still running around as zombies, anyway. So, they get reunited with their son, and then we cut to Supergirl and I guess there people are coming back with amnesia or cause Supergirl doesn't even know who Superman is, but we cut to that scene and it's a different artist. It's Lucas Mayer, not Trevor Harrison, the artist who's done most of the work on hmm. deceased who is someone I associate with the look and feel of the book. And then you go like, it's like 12 or 13 pages of Lucas Mayer or yes. Meyer. And I thought, oh no, hmm. they're going to end this and they're not going to have Trevor Harrison do the final chapter. And nothing against Lucas Mayer, who was fine, mm-hmm. but, you know, kind of standard, not very dynamic. It doesn't help that most of the scenes are just people talking, which doesn't allow for the most interesting storytelling. But I thought mostly I was just like, oh, man, I mean, this book, I, in my head, I picture the characters. It's Trevor Harrison. And then it switched over to the scene again. And Lucas Mayer pops up on a couple of random pages. But for the most part, the second half, this is an oversized final issue. Most of the second half of the book is all Trevor Harrison, which is good because it's when all the action and dramatic uh, moments happen. But at first, I was very concerned and that this was going to be somewhat of a disappointment. But then once he comes on, the book really kicks off when they realize they have this creature they have to destroy. Damian Wayne has a plan to do it. He knows he's not going to survive the attempt. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of moments of saying goodbye to people before they go off to battle. I like the scene with him and Cassie, who has become his love interest, who is now Wonder Woman. And I like where he out outsmarts Cyborg, not in a bad way, but in a I'm going to be the one who goes, not you way. Yeah, and gets the people to team up, like Ares and Black Racer have to go confront this character. I don't even know the character's name, but
1: tell you something, I like that Black Racer design. Yeah. (laughs) Erebus. Is it something like that? Yeah, something like that. It is Erebos. When Black Racer showed up, it was a new design. I went, is that Black Racer? That really works. And (laughs) I I don't say that because that's a Roots Kirby design or whatever, but it's one of the goofier ones. And I thought, I was like, wow, they totally sold that. That's really cool. Do you think this is the only time in a long time that you have chosen a book as pick of the week where Damian Wayne is the hero? And does Uh, he have to die?
0: (laughs) I feel like it may have happened... Before, because I don't feel like we've had this conversation, but we talked about this. I mean, like, look in in this particular story, he is. Interesting character. He's mm-hmm. grown. He's more of a well. I guess he's eighteen now. Yeah,
1: he's only eighteen. They sort of had to remind us of that. He's
0: a different character, and it's fine. You know, in the context of this whole story, it, it works. Although it's funny they haven't put on a white suit, which I guess also Jonathan is a tailor. Listen, he's got t- he made do, the lots suit. of things. Uh, so he puts it. on a white version of the bat suit because now he's got to be like the hero of light, instead of the hero of dark. And I, I laughed because he looks just like Nemesis, the character from the Mark Miller yeah, book. He does about the, about the evil bat.
1: <laughs> more importantly, where did John? Can't find a brown paper bag.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, do they realize he looks exactly like that character? And so I just thought the moment where they have to all attack, again, Space Squid, Lobo has to cut him open. They have to put the bomb inside him. Like, it was all, you know, the kind of moment you want in a big hero story. And then the moment where they all realize Damien's not coming back and they use a devastating flashback to the very beginning of the story with Green Arrow. Mm Mm-hmm. Where Green Arrow, not realizing it, lays it all out for what's going to happen.
1: Ooh, that's some Which structure. is an
0: amazing bit of structure, which yeah. if it was planned, then Tom Taylor's a fucking genius. But I'm sure he went back with, ooh, I'm going to use this. You
1: know what? If it wasn't planned and he still found a way to put it together, though, that still makes him a genius.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You get to that moment, you're just like, oh, fuck. And that's kind of where I was like, oh, this is it. This is the pick. And then you get to the scene where you know Damien's just sitting on the, on the ground waiting for this to happen. And... Jonathan shows up, and you know they're best friends, and he's like, uh, you know, you can't save me. He's like, yeah, I know, but I can be here with you. And I was like, ah, damn it.
1: (laughs) I I really liked that he did actually go through. Like, they didn't save him at the last second. I think that would have been a cop-out. Oh, for this particular story, it has to to happen this way, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and he'd accepted it, and blah, 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 and it was nice. It's interesting, because I'm looking through it, and I didn't really notice the art change. I did, but I Mm -hmm. didn't. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm looking at it now. Obviously, I can see it's clear as day. But I think that goes to tell you, like, how into the story I was. Like, okay. I was just reading and, and going through and trying to experience it instead of using, which is what comics should be doing, by the way. If you don't notice, you're going through it. It's great. They've done a good job. Yeah, it was really satisfying. I, I knew it was pick of the week before I finished it. And so I was <laughs> I was a little perjured, I guess. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, part of the plan was through the the life equation, you know, it's all about the anti-life and life equation. And then the life equation explodes inside of this creature, killing him and also creates a new galaxy. And so the kicker of the story is that Alfred, who is now the specter, which is the most unexpectedly coolest thing about this story, Hmm. goes off to visit Damien's galaxy and it's in, you know, and the the constellations in a shape of bat and it's so fucking cheesy and it's so fucking got me. Like, it, you know, it's just the perfect sort of (laughs) coda for this story where the Spectre can go and see sort of Damien in the stars and think of Bruce and Tim and Dick who all died and weren't able to be resurrected. And it was just like, ah, fuck. (laughs) It was just, I got to the last page and I was like, you did it, Tom Taylor. You you wrote the modern day DC epic. Yeah. I hope there's a giant deceased omnibus they put out that I can give to people who haven't read this because it's coming together as a whole. This is a great
1: fucking story. Yeah, it was. It was really, it's a really a special thing to be able to sort of stick with something that long. I don't want them to do more, you know? Yeah, I, well, before we just talked about the ending, I think I would have been like, whatever, do more. But <laughs> you're probably right. Like, you don't want to, whatever, if it's good. I don't want, like, we just did the Kingdom Come Talks, explode. like, I don't want an issue of this. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you've got a great idea for a new series and, you know, the gang's all here and you're going for it and you want to add on to it. You know, I guess if in retrospect, it's great, no problem, but also who cares? Sometimes things have to end and that's what makes them great.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? So no more Deceased. Deceased, War of the Gods, book eight, Tom Taylor, Trevor Harrison, Lucas Mayer, Andy Lanning, by the way. Hey, on inks, on, on inks yeah. On the Trevor Harrison inks, Rain Beredo, Seda Timofante, great job on uh, Deceased. And uh, honestly, it's been one of the most unexpected and fun things we've read in the last five years. And if there's somehow you've been <laughs> listening along with us and haven't checked it out, you need to go. Back to the beginning and and check it out. And I think what you're going to hear in the next three books we talk about is a very similar theme, which is sort of return to DC basics. Mm -hmm. Because they've been out in the wilderness. And it's still in in many ways out in the wilderness as a publisher. But Superman number three, Joshua Williams and Jamal Campbell. And I don't think you and I have actually talked about this. I think you were off the show when issue one came out. Yeah. And I wasn't really sure how you'd felt about it because we haven't talked about it. Issue one I thought was terrific. Uh I'm hot and cold on Joshua Williamson Sometimes I really love what he does, sometimes I really don't like it But I thought issue one was terrific I've I've enjoyed this whole arc so far Of the parasite and sort of reestablishing A classic Superman You know, even the old-fashioned elements He's back at the paper Jimmy's there, Lois is in charge because Perry's Indisposed, so she's the interim editor-in-chief Which makes an interesting dynamic with them
1: It's just a brief cut to the table Behind them full of other people who seem to be Living there, but let's ignore that (laughs)
0: And you know, I, I like how Jamal Campbell draws Clark in almost a Tim Sale big burly way, like mm-hmm. he's a big old dude. He kind of wears dorky outfits, you know, like his clothes he wears in the paper. The kind of colors don't really go together. It's like the round glasses. I kind of like all of it. I kind of like. I like the way that Lex Luthor is being used right now, as he's in jail, but he's constantly talking to Clark, and now Clark has kind of accepted that he is going to rely on Lex for the time being, as in a sort of advisor from jail. Like I just kind of like it all. There's new things here, but it also feels very classic and very resetting. Like, it's the Donna DC version. I think
1: the thing that was cool for me is that we don't do supervillains all that much anymore. We do nemesis. So, you mm-hmm. know, Luther and Joker and Zoom, you know, they all mm-hmm. show up and they fight or whatever. And I was it's like... Constantly well, the- yeah. yeah, oh, we're just going to do a parasite here. We're going to play with the power and do everything, but it's what do we do about parasite? And there's actually a sense of menace, like it took over Superman, and parasite had like shrunk itself down into microbiological parts, and I was like, all right, that's
0: interesting. Yeah, when the, the droplet-sized parasites that he breathed <laughs> in, I was like, oh shit, that's cool. And they,
1: they have to do an old-fashioned 50s DC science <laughs> solution for the thing. Right. And then they convince the prime parasite that he's got to eat all the little ones. And he's like, this is great. <laughs> he had a look on his face like Gollum when Gollum finally lands, you yeah. know, grabs the ring at the end and falls into the, <sighs> the mountain. I've never been that happy about anything. <laughs> Through that whole sequence, I had to keep going, God, who's drawing this? Oh, Jamal yeah, Campbell, right. That's really good. And then I'd, I'd sort of forget and I'd get to another page. I was like, man, that looks great. There's a page after that where S- Superman goes to Lex's... Uh, let's see. If you're looking at page nineteen digitally, yep. Superman is sort of floating and he's pouting a little bit. Yeah. He's all hunched over and you know, Lex doesn't give a fuck. And it's really fun body language there that isn't just gray, I suppose. Like Superman's having emotions that are not necessarily the most noble. And and because of that, you don't have to read any of this. Like you and I have been reading Superman comics for a billion years and reading different versions of it. And I one thing I do gotta love about Lex Luthor is that unlike any of the other characters, you never know where he's coming from because you don't know which version they're doing. Like the Joker Mm -hmm. always inherently has to be evil. The Joker is not going to have a story where he's a good guy. At least you shouldn't, you know, in in the end. But like Lex is a great gray character, but he can also work any of these other ways. And through this whole thing, you know, I'm right there with Clark. I'm like, I don't know what to think. You know, like, I right. keep waiting for the other shoe to fall, but it's all portrayed really well.
0: Well, even then, if you go to 21 after he opens the box and realizes Superman's given him a signal watch, which I kind of thought was kind of cool for this particular story. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that expression on his face mean? It's a slight smile. Yep. It's sort of smug. Like, is, is there it? a plan I've in place? Won. You know. Right. Like, this has been very, very good, these first three issues. And I'm. Yeah. I think Jamal Campbell's an inspired choice for Superman. I think he's very classic, but in a very modern way. I think there's some yeah. amazing storytelling. There's great dynamic action. His characters look and feel modern. And despite the toilet-shaped building design that he did for
1: one of the buildings, <laughs>
0: or the, the prison.
1: <laughs> I ran away, I, just, I was like, that's a toilet. Is it supposed <laughs> um, to be? Is that, I thought that that was the joke. Uh, maybe. But it I mean, look the at the pages building.
0: in the middle, like 11, 12, and they're fighting all the... Par- like. Look, mm-hmm. look at page 12 when they're fighting Parasite. Look at those panels where... Parasite yep. is like, I mean, that's crazy. You don't see panels like that. No. The first two, no, the top half of the page. You know, it's fun. I think it's been really good. You know, they've been putting a little sexiness in the Superman. There was yeah. the, the whole sex closet thing in action <laughs> comics. And then in this one, they need live wire's powers, and she's like, Can I get dressed up a supergirl? I mean, I do it sometimes on, you know, very special <laughs> occasions. And it's like <laughs> it's like, oh, hello. Yeah. And I really like the romantic bit at the end where they're dancing and the kids are all embarrassed, but the float dance in the sun. I was like, okay. It's good stuff. It's just, a good time. I think it's just very good stuff. Yeah. Which I'm very happy about. Speaking of. <laughs> and then, you know, Batman Superman World's Finest 14, there's not a lot new to say other than Mark Wade keeps finding ways to make this feel like the hub of the DC Universe in the head of Mark Wade, mm-hmm. where, you know, Oliver Queen shows up and Ted Cord shows up. We've already got Metamorpho going on. And I mean, this book is clearly, despite the fact that Mark Wade is now going to do a second book and a third book, they just announced the Teen Titans one. This is almost like Mark Wade's Elseworlds DC, and this book feels like the way that New Avengers for a long time felt like the hub of the Marvel Universe, like everything went through that. This feels like the center of the wheel where all the spokes come out of the DC Universe in Mark Wade's
1: head. Except I don't tend to think of it as, I mean, like New Avengers is because all the other stuff had to run through it, right. whereas this, it kind of exists on its own. I'm not sure what the continuity of it is, and I don't care. No,
0: what I mean? It's like they're creating a little Mark Wade verse with the yes. three books he's doing. So this yeah, feels yeah. like
1: the center of that okay. world, and everything's running through it. The way that I think of this is that this is like the very best episode of one of the animated series. This, this series. is the very yeah. best episode of Justice League, the animated series. Mm-hmm. You could tie this directly into ones that they actually made, but the way that Clark responds to Bruce about the, basically there was a, there was a newspaper story, it says Bruce Wayne killed Stag, mm-hmm. and Superman's going to be he's like- He's arrested for murder for Simon right. Stagg, yeah. And Superman has to be like, I know it, but Clark can't can't know it and because of all that because of the reporting the way that we do it this was the only thing that we could do and bruce is a little mad about it
0: he's like why did you write this story about me being arrested for murder he's like because i had to i the evidence doesn't show you didn't do it so So i can't be like well superman knows he didn't so therefore i did like that was a very funny sequence
1: but what really got me so that was great and then you get into the next thing where oliver queen calls up bruce and you know makes him a deal for ai and it's off, but not so off that I was like, right. "Kind of," I, but I don't know what's going on in this. And then later, you know, you, you find out that him and all the other DC billionaires had been reaching out to Bruce and acting strange. And I was like, "That was great," because right. the villain had no idea that Ollie Queen was Green Arrow and Bruce was Batman. Right. <laughs> and so they just did it wrong. And I was, and it was so subtle; it wasn't really obvious to me as I was reading it the first time. But when I went, oh, back, totally not, yeah, it didn't track as like it was i just thought it was it was a really nice touch good storytelling
0: this issue features i mean superman batman and robin are are in every issue main characters but it features metamorpho oliver queen a reference to ted cord it features the metal men it's like they're just constantly throwing things at you but it it doesn't ever feel overstuffed Mm. it feels like this is very organic and it's all happening in this shared universe and also this is a much like the Superman issue we just talked about, this is a back to basics Batman. Again, this is taking place in the nominal past, and then this feels like another continuity. But again, you know, the demon Nezra crossed over to Batman Robin, so who the hell knows with DC continuity anymore? Now I'm kind of like embracing it. I'm like, whatever, bring it on, do it. <laughs> this is a Batman that Bruce Wayne's got his money and his fortune in his house and his staff and Wayne Enterprises and neck. all that comes with all that comes with that. And I always like when they don't ignore Bruce Wayne as an aspect of the character. Mm. Bruce Wayne himself may be a character. But he's an important aspect of Batman's story. And not to mention Alfred is here still. This is the most fun and, I think, important DC book being published because it feels like the way DC should be. And Mm -hmm. if there's ever a time to regroup at DC and find a new direction, they've already got it going. And they've already got three books set in that world. Might as well
1: just keep doing it. I have no idea what people actually respond to at this point, though. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't think anyone does. I think, uh, you know, Mark wade has got a bunch of these things going on, so that must be good at least in some sales-wise. And I saw, I don't remember what it was, but him and Dan Mora are doing a different thing. They're doing Captain Marvel. Okay, so they can't keep doing this necessarily. No, they're doing both. Oh, Dan Mora is one of those guys, right? That's That's thing.
0: why I joked a couple of shows right. ago about him being the fastest artist in comics. Right. And then they're doing a, a World's Finest Teen Titans book. I don't know mm-hmm. who's drawing that, but it's Mark Wade doing the Titans in this world.
1: So either titans. he's being real efficient and they're finding a way to make it work or people are responding and buying them or what. It's not just because it's good. It can't be at this point.
0: Oh, Emmanuel Lupicino is drawing that one Hey. No Puccino.
1: did a terrific cover for it.
0: Anyway, I'm just really enjoying it, and I'm glad this world is branching out into into many things. This is the DC I love, and I just feel so happy
1: when I read it. We've kvetched a little in the past. I had a good time reading comics this week. I didn't really pick one because I didn't have to, but right. you know, other weeks I've been like, oof, good luck with that. I, I just enjoyed my books. This particular week is usually the best week because this is the all the best DC books. Came, well, it
0: used to be, I mean, Deceased is over, but it was Deceased, Nightwing, and Batman's World's Finest always came out in the same week. Plus, now you've had Superman to the mix. So, you always had like four quality DC books this week, plus Marvel stuff, plus Image. Like, usually, this is
1: the best week. So, get ready for three weeks of grumbling?
0: Not necessarily, but this is always the one where I can count on being like, yes, this is the World's Finest Nightwing, Deceased right. week,
1: and now right. that's over.
0: But I do want to talk about The Forged, number two, Greg Rucka, Eric Troutman, Mike Henderson, and... We talked about issue one. This is oversized. It's it's like 50 pages. It's 60, but there's a lot of back matter. I don't know about this book. I was very bored the first 20 pages where it was a lot of sci-fi gobbledygook, a lot of long, wide, far shots of these characters in armor. I don't know who any of them are. It was a lot of hard sci-fi nonsense the first 20 pages that didn't draw me in at all. Once we got past that bit, it was way more engaging, but the first... I mean, half of this book, which is the size of a regular comic, I was just like, I don't care about any of this.
1: I loved it. <laughs> I loved exactly the thing that you're talking about. First of all, the very first thing in this is an actual description that's put on one page about what the fuck is going on. I learned more in that than I did the entire first <laughs> yes, issue. I was like, this, was this in it last time?
0: Oh, here's the Forge.
1: <laughs> they are cloned from the Empress. Cool. There's this other sexy lady. She's a Cassandra. She's a wizard. She's cloned from the Empress cool they were outside of a planet their ship went down they went down with it i was like i'm on and then what we have here and i think that this is your rucka can certainly do this but i know that eric troutman is also into this i just saw army gobbledygook and tactics in big suits on a dangerous alien world and i was a hundred percent into it because i just it's one of those things is the same thing as like cop books Mm -hmm. There's something about the jargon and the way that those things are said, and I think that um, Troutman and Rucka, in both of their work, for a long time, have an affinity for those kinds of characters, and I just like the way it's applied. These are like, you know, Marines who have to go get stuff done. You don't worry about one thing because you got to worry about this one right now. Your arm gets cut off. You fight through it. It's a very specific type of character, you know, and these these sort of—Garth Ennis does this really well—these sort of military, hard-ass characters— and I really enjoyed the quote-unquote authenticity of that. I mm-hmm. think it's a language I can't do. When you read somebody who writes really good cop jargon, whether it's real or not, whatever, you're Dennis Lanes, you're Richard Prices, or something like that. This gave me that feeling about these kind of people. Now, these could be Sergeant Rock and is, is uh, you know in his folks. I was going to say Howling, Howling Commandos. Commandos. That's is that okay? Howling Commandos. Then what are the, then there's Sergeant Fury and whatever he had back in the war. Doesn't matter. That kind of gung ho. I was thinking about this a lot, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Helen Command is a Sergeant Fury? Yeah. was Sergeant Rock? Right.
1: Guys. Sergeant Rock and whatever. Anyway, I was reading a cop book, listening to a cop book, and it has that same kind of jargon. And this has it mm-hmm. too. And I thought, it's really interesting that I love that stuff as much as I do, because it's based on a form of masculinity that I don't have anything to do with. You're scared of. And, yeah. Yeah. It's really intimidating. But when it's written by a person who is put together, who is like a sensitive writer type- you know, and you know that that's behind it, then I just, it's, I don't know. I get it just really impressive. You like feel you safe. Want, well, you want those people to exist like that you know, like the way that Garth Ennis does military types or the way that, you know, certain cops get written on shows. And I think this is what that does for me. I get it if you're not into it or whatever, but the fact no, is no, you said I'm it, into actually. It. i just don't think it's working here. Right. But in this, you said it's hard sci-fi and in that sense, it was. Like it was oh, here's what the suit so, so does. cut the It's hard sci-fi, arm sci-fi off. gobbledygook.
0: And it was, to me, the problem is like with the cop books, it's all characters. It's all based in mm-hmm. char- I mean, this was like I'm, I'm full, looking through it and it's all long, wide shots. The characters are tiny in the panels and there's nothing that I can relate mm-hmm. to on a human level until they get to their destination and they take the unit. suits off.
1: Like, that's yeah, the but point. Yeah, I, I don't care. And that's fair. Unless I know who the characters are. I think what's interesting is this, again, same reason I read... War history and things like that is that, like, how do people react in a overwhelming situation? So you have to boil it all down to the brass tacks of doing things and getting them done. But in this sort of setting, you can they can also sound kind of cool. And I understand why you're saying that. But for me, it really worked for me. And it tickled me. And I thought it was fun. But also, because I had read at the beginning, these are all clones of that person. I was like, it doesn't fucking matter who they are. They can just do cool shit. And that doesn't always work unless it does. And I recognize that's entirely subjective. But it is also such a different... I don't know. There's no books like this right now. And it's more Rucka, you know, doing that kind of thing. And when I first started reading, I was like, I can't remember what this was. And they went, oh, right. All right, fine. Let's go with it. And it was long and I didn't really notice it, but because those were double page spreads too, mm-hmm. it sort of yeah. flew by a little quicker than they would otherwise. I really enjoyed it. I was impressed by it. And it was so light compared to, we said this before, compared to Lazarus, right, which is a meal every single page
0: i was thinking about lazarus was because lazarus is also full of a lot of jargon and technical nonsense but it's because it's so rooted in those characters that i find it compelling mm-hmm. i mean i need i need to have the character hook on all of that stuff to find it compelling yeah you know and but again like i said once they got into that ship they were looking for and they got their suits off and they found the cassandra like that was all very compelling it just took 20 pages to get there mm-hmm. either i'm way. not sold on the book yet but i'm still no. waiting for something to happen
1: there's no books like this right now. And if this is, you know, this is the best I can get out of something, I can, I think I can have no problem Oh, that's,
0: that's totally true. Well, there's a lot of sci-fi. There's a lot of post-apocalyptic sci-fi. But this is a very different kind of yes. version of that. It may not even be post-apocalyptic, but it's certainly future sci-fi.
1: Yeah, it's like space fantasy. Well,
0: let's take a second here and thank everyone. It is our 875th episode. This would be a big oversized issue if we were a comic book. <laughs> and the way the clock is going, it may end up being one. But I do want to thank everyone who makes the show possible. It, it's not nothing to run the site, to run the show. It's a major concern. It's a major bill that we pay. And we thank everyone who helps us do that, keeps the show going, keeps our time remunerated. That's a word, right? Remunerated. That's fine, too. And we thank everyone. The patrons at patreon.com. They're the ones who really throw in with us that help support the show. They've unlocked many shows that you listen to every month. The media splode, the talk and the book splode, and all that stuff is all because of their uh, support. We thank them. Uh you can come a part of a great community for as little as 1 a month and hopefully we make it worth their while and we thank everyone who who is a patron. I fambot is where you can buy a t-shirt or any kind of item any various items and sundries with our logos and designs on them. There's 12 designs, they're all found there. Uh, the shirts are very comfortable. I wear mine all the time. So Can you I tell you something? T-shirt.
1: Yesterday I wore one of the shirts and uh, it's an old shirt and as such the logo has mostly worn off. And so I don't usually wear it. But the other day I put it on. I was like, this is actually very soft and comfortable, still. I'm going to just wear it anyway. <laughs> Which isn't to say that they wear off, but things will when you wear them. But I'm saying it's extra value for your money is what I'm getting at.
0: Mine are super comfortable. So check those out, ifambo.threadless.com. Ifambo.com slash support is our digital PayPal tip jar. Ifambo.com slash Amazon is our link to the Amazon store and also all of our Booksplode books. And I just updated it this week. So it is now current. We were a little bit behind hey. in updating that page, but it, now it has every book that we've done a Booksplode on. If you, In fact, if you want to see like a visual representation of all the Booksplode shows and what we've talked about, they include links to all the shows and links to where you can buy them on Amazon, ifambo.com slash Amazon. And bookshop.org is our partner to help local bookstores. So occasionally you'll see those links on our website. You know, you can check out books there and I I always encourage people to do so. I buy many of my books through bookshop.org. So all the ways people help support the show. We thank you. The little show literally could not exist without you. We say it all the time on the show, but I really do want to make it clear. The show would not exist without your support. And so we
1: thank you Mm -hmm. for doing so.
0: Let's move on to The Punisher.
1: There is no legacy number on the cover of Punisher. I looked for it. So we have Punisher number 11, which I think is some tomfoolery, if I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> we are nearing the end, I assume, I can't imagine this goes past 12, of Jason Aaron with his Saiz and Paul Seta. Does this
0: feel like it's ending?
1: Yes. Yeah, no, it's definitely coming to a conclusion. Hmm. The Punisher is the, the hand of the beast, his, his messenger on earth, the god of murdering, blah, 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 whatever. And this is the one where sort of the rest of the heroes show up and, you know, have to try to talk him down. And if we've ever wondered, like, hey, Jason Aaron, where have you been? Ooh, he's here. This background slow simmer origin that is being told by his wife in the background mm-hmm. is maybe the finest Punisher origin story that I've read. It really works hard at understanding... Without just saying, oh, just he's a psychopath. There's just something about him. And they're putting in the mystical element of the Beast is around, but it's not just that. I just think that the, the writing of The Wife and specifically the the flashbacks with Paul as a setup, and those are being weaved into the current time stuff as well, are just, are just really well done. I would have a hard time kind of explaining it, but they're very sensitive and thoughtful in a way that I do associate with with jason aaron it's a thing that he's not doing over in avengers which is not a criticism of avengers it's just where is this guy you know doing this thing again and he is the guy who i fell in love with on scalped and this isn't to say it's the same as that and i believe there's a lot of stuff wrapped around the story that you know you could sort of take or leave if you looked at it on the surface but as a sort of long form it's a it's a really good frank castle story as you want to try to get into the head of why a person would be like that you know a killer who only you know they do show a human side of it but he's he's just mysterious and and also that as a set art is just just lovely and again this isn't to take away from saiz who can do literally anything right i think it's a much better book than it appeared to be at first and and certainly compared to what its trappings are you know this whole thing with the beast and the god whatever who cares like at the middle of it though is a heartfelt story about people you mm-hmm. know heartbreaking all that stuff it's
0: good so if you think this is it does it feel like this is like the climax because be one more issue left usually the climax is happening now
1: yeah so yeah like there's the a big cliffhanger there's nowhere left to go and except to end it i don't think there could be aftermath they could kill frank for all i know i don't know does it make you want to go read his Punisher Max books? I've always wanted to read that. Uh, except for when it was coming out, obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Immortal Sergeant is such a strange book. This is issue four of the Joe Kelly Ken Amura book. And I went to read this one and I thought, you know what? I think this is like the make or break for me. Because I like both of these creators quite a bit. But I just don't know what mm-hmm. the hell's going on. I mean, I know what's going on. But I just don't know what's going on. And then this issue featured a really emotional sequence about suicide how great was this issue this issue was incredible this has been my pick of the week i think it was really incredible where yeah. the sergeant and his son are at his diner having breakfast and they're arguing and the sergeant who is an asshole and we you know has been sort of a grumpy asshole the whole time he notices a uh, the waitress has a scar on her wrist so he tells her a long long story about this guy who committed suicide in the same way and it leads to her opening up to her family. Like, it was just amazingly, well, this is the kind of stuff that yeah. Joe Kelly would do occasionally that would just sock you in your gut.
1: Yeah. I still don't know about this book, but man, what an issue this was. Yeah, 100%. I, I finished that, and I've been enjoying it, but it is really hard to put your finger on. And I feel like the art has tightened up a lot since the first issue, because it's real loose, like, yeah. shockingly loose at the beginning, and now... I have my bearings, I guess, a little bit more. But it they do the thing where you're relating to the one character and be like, this other guy's a lunatic. And then we had the shift in this one. Like, no, this the cop guy is not the worst thing on Earth. It's just your perspective, how you're looking at him. But the the way that that was all constructed was amazing. Yeah, Edge of your seat page turning. It should not have worked in comic book form, but it really did. It should not have worked in comic book form, and it should not have worked with that artist, but it did.
0: The tenderness that he shows the waitress mm-hmm. was quite incredible for the character. Yeah. You know, he's obnoxious. And then he has this moment with her, very quietly with the two of them, and I was like, Jesus. Like, it was just very good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. It was very good. 100%. Terror War number 1 from Saladin Ahmed with art by Dave Acosta. Dave Acosta, a name that I recognize but don't remember from where, and... Art that I also feel like I recognize. I feel like it's been a really long time. What we've got here is basically, imagine a Blade Runner world. It's kind of a kaiju book, but not exactly. Because the kaiju are not kaiju. They are living nightmares. And then there are these roaming gangs of mercenary groups who are the only ones who can take out the nightmares or the, quote, terrors. Mm -hmm. And it sounds pretty dumb or at least like rubber stampy in a sense. But uh, it is really well done. And it's, you know, Saladin Ahmed's been writing mainstream comics for a while. He's a writer in other ways that I'm unfamiliar with. He's not nobody, but he's got his comic book pedigree down. And I think Dave Acosta is a really good choice for it. I'm having a hard time comparing it to something, but basically picture like the surface level of Blade Runner when they're walking around and there's like the little stands of noodles and stuff like that. And there's just too much stuff going on and everything's a little dirty and it's supposed to be, you know, future and clean, but it isn't. It's like that. I think that there's nothing incredibly original happening here, but I think that they really did nail the tone and the tenseness of that kind of thing. It feels like a book from a different, I don't know, it looks like a book that was really good from Dark Horse in the 90s. That's what it looks like. I don't know if that, if that helps anybody, but when I look at it, it feels kind of like that. You know, just crazy sci-fi, you know, big guns and, and a, a city that's got way too many people and things in it, and there's no hope to life.
0: I feel like that's Image's brand now. It is. So that's kind of what they do. Like, I, whenever I see, there's like four new Image books. I can guarantee three of them that week are going to be of
1: that genre. Yes, and one'll be fantasy. <laughs> right. It works or it doesn't work, but it's based on the creator. And I thought, well, Salad Ahmed is sure, absolutely got his stuff down. And and the art really a lot of times on these books, the art doesn't live up to the thing. And the art was perfect for the thing this time. So it's not my cup of tea necessarily from a genre standpoint. But I thought the execution was really strong, and I enjoyed it.
0: Those are the books we're going to talk about this week, but at ifanboy.com slash Patreon, that's not a page. Patreon.com slash ifanboy is the page. Any patron who supports the show can vote to add a book for the rundown every week, and that's called The Patron Pick. And this week, the uh, far and away winner was The Expanse, Dragon Tooth, number one from Boom Studios. There's two things I want to mention before we move on to this discussion. They're very important. The first one, the most important one, is if you at all have heard us talking about The Expanse over the last 10 years and thinking you might one day read the books, skip this segment. There's no Good way we point. can talk about this book without spoiling some major things that happen. So please, nothing we'll talk about now is more interesting than what happened in those
1: books. This conversation, whatever, skip it. And further, if you haven't read any of those books and you plan to, don't read this book. Well, that's true also, but it won't mean just... a fucking thing to you because this is an advanced level course in Expanse, this book. I'm just saying, if you at any time thought, and maybe I want to check those books out in the future. Or the show.
0: Just skip this conversation. Skip it. Skip it. And the book. Skip it now. Use the show notes. Skip through this. Nothing we say here will be as interesting as what happened in the the books. We have to spoil them. Skip it. Skip it. Skip it. Skip it. Number two. This is not a licensed book from the books. This is a licensed book from the TV show. It's yes, it is. actually very different
1: things. And that was my first question. When you got to that first page, what's the first thing you thought of? I was like, oh, it's the show. Yes. I don't even think I looked at the cover, but I was like, no, oh, it's actor. That's actor, Jim. Okay, fine. Yeah,
0: it's the show. Did Boom do... I feel like Karina Becko wrote a... Karina Beko. was. But was that a book based on the books of the show?
1: I think it was the books, but I am not sure. Because when it came out, it wasn't over yet, and I didn't read it.
0: The show ended at a point in the series of books where a major event happens.
1: You're helping me from some of the confusion I felt.
0: This series takes place in that in that in between two books, basically in that. Th- in, okay, here's the spoiler. We we warned you. We warned you. In that 30 year time jump between books, which was the most mind blowing thing I read in a long time. So I I hope to God no one's listening right now. Was who's plans to read the book in that 30 year time jump? This is where this is taking place. Because that's where the series ended. At the end of that, right? The TV series, yeah, the TV series. So this is that they
1: were not picked up to continue the story, which would have would have been very difficult for them to do so. As such, now (laughs) I am more familiar with the book timeline than the than the TV show. The TV show I watched as a a, like a just a afterthought. Yes. And I thought, oh, let's see how they choose to portray this thing. I didn't really follow it for the story, per se, because I already had my story and I liked it. But I did like to see what they did. So I thought some of the actors, and I can say that because in this, these are the actors in this book, you know, some of the actors, I thought, oh, that's a great portrayal of that. And some of them, yeah. I think, oh, that's the TV portrayal of that. So, for example, uh, Amos Burton in the book is Amos Burton in the TV show. That actor is a personification. Mostly. Right. It changes a little near the end. But mostly I thought, wow, that's great. Now Kamina Drummer is not the character from the book. She's the Kamina Drummer from the television show, who are different characters to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I I didn't make it as far as you I never made the jump to Amazon with the show. I stopped watching the sci-fi. I just it was a show I, I liked. I would watch it in the background at work because I had a TV in my old office at my old job and I put it on like when I was doing something mindless and I was enjoying it in that sense. But as I went on, it was just never as good as mm-hmm. the books and I just wasn't enjoying it. And then they started making more changes and by the end of it, especially... Actually, we'll get to that in a second. But I was never a super fan of the shows like you and Ron were. So I was disappointed when I saw the cover and I saw, oh, those are the actors. And I was like, oh, great. It's not an expanse license book. It's, it's an expanse license book.
1: To be fair, the writers of the book were involved with the TV show. Oh, for it's, sure. It, it I'm just saying I didn't it's enjoy it as like, much. Yes, no, that, that's fair. But, you know, it wasn't like a unlicensed, you know, or un... What's the word I'm looking for? They, they approved, you know. They were so involved.
0: this book itself... Um, this book is basically Exhibit A of why I don't read licensed comics. Uh-huh. The art was boring,
1: the story was boring, it was all boring. I think it was... It was stiff and boring. It was uneventful. As we were talking about it, and I was comparing to the show and the movie, and I was flipping through it, I was like, oh, you're right, I have no idea what happened in this book. <laughs> because I was just trying to fit it into my memory of the story I already know, and so yeah. I was literally just going through it, going, "All right, Alex. Again, you shouldn't be listening if you don't know. Us. Alex is yeah. dead. Okay, and the Earth has been hit by rocks. Yeah. But after Amos got off with peaches, and then they drink a toast to dead Alex, and then it's a year
0: after Alex. Here's the
1: thing. Okay, yeah.
0: we didn't we didn't do the story. This is Andy Diggle. He's a terrific writer. We we've liked yes, a lot of Andy Diggle's work. Art by Rubin, caused by Raúl Angulo, Pat Brousseau on letters. All this book did was make me annoyed about the show because like <laughs> Amos and Alex, those guys were perfectly cast. Perfect. Yes. I didn't like that they gave Amos a beard and hair. Like the Amos's whole thing in the books, he looks like a giant baby. He's always got a shaved head and be, shaved face. Alex was perfect. Alex turned out to be an asshole and he got canceled the actor so they killed Alex off and I was like what you
1: can't That's kill why. off I couldn't remember
0: one of the most important characters in the book cuz you got to recast him yeah that annoyed me and then Holden and Naomi I thought were terrible casts in the show I thought Holden, in particular, was supposed to be the most charismatic man in the universe to cast it with one of the most bland screen personalities I've ever WB seen. WB actors. Supposedly nice guy, and I know people who have hung out with him, and I used to see him at my gym sometimes, but he's just bland. And for the guy who unites the universe around the force of his personality, it was like, that guy? So I never really liked aspects of the show for that reason. Anyway, the, all this did was sort of reinforce that. Plus, the young reporter character here was so fucking annoying And felt like a Gen Z character in the middle of this futuristic story. I didn't understand that at all. Monica Stewart. Is it Monica Stewart? Yes. Monica Stewart. Avasarala was great casting, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I just, I didn't like anything about this
1: book. I will take it in a slightly different direction. Yeah, it was competent. the art was competent. They did that thing where it was just short of being photo tracings of them. And I sort of, I did, I definitely knew who everybody was because I saw the show. (laughs) <laughs> there'd been like an essay in the back of boom books for a little while of, of dandy diggle writing about this and how it and so and i can tell as i read it like he really liked and knows the property like he's got yeah. the voices it's what it's supposed to be and i think the art actually did a good job of recreating a television show in visuals ultimately i don't know what story you're going to tell here that's going to be compelling because i already know the story
0: Right, this is the Star Wars comic problem for me. Mm-hmm. Let's tell a story
1: in between the chapters. Like, well, okay, but why? I mean, sometimes that can be fun, and you can get away with it. And if anybody, you know, I think Andy Diggle's definitely got the chance to do that. I mean, he's he's a very skilled writer, and he really likes the property. But it is interesting to me that it's all in on, there's no run-up. There's no basics. There's no, like... No, it, there's no hand-holding here whatsoever. None. They're hoping you have... Seen
0: all the shows or read the book, like they're not giving yeah. you. I mean, there's a two paragraph thing here that tells you where we are, and the, you know this is right yeah, after but, the asteroid bombardment, but that's it. But they don't tell you about the world
1: or the characters or anything. Yeah, yeah. like all the sci fi, all the physics and everything. That's the thing I loved about it. But end of the day, like Josh, what was this about? I don't know. I, I literally don't know what it was about. Because I couldn't, I was like, well, didn't this already happen? Like, are you just retelling something I've read? Or are you retelling something that they didn't do on the TV show, but they did do in the book, but maybe differently? No. It's very hard. It's very hard for either of us to judge this objectively. Yeah. What's happening here is that Avasaral is trying to force the Martians to open up their books and reconcile with her after their worlds have been destroyed so that they can save well, people. She's trying to use her simply. leverage. Right. That's what yeah. she does. That makes sense. Totally good. But also I think it happened. And then <laughs> something's happening over on, what's the station that was the big ship? Uh, it was not Medina. was It, it was um... the big drum. Uh, Medina, yeah, it is Medina station. Yeah. So it, the Medina station was the Mormon ship from the first book second book? I forget. And they make the big station that guards ring space, and yeah. it's where the OPA controls that area, which I kind of remembered. It was all very political Like And then there's something that happens there. That's it. That's my like, and then something happens there where she's like, oh, I should do this, but I'm not sure if I should, but it'll help builders. That's it. That's all that matters. The Rocinante
0: which is the main ship they went to uh find something and they found a bunch of dead people and someone destroyed a, a ship carrying a bunch of live soil from earth to you know one of the stations and that was what they were doing and then they just had a long conversation about alex and then peaches and why she wasn't hanging out with them and i don't know
1: but even that wasn't like she's like i can't be out there and i was like boy you're not gonna tell them anything why does this woman – like, I, You know, there is a thing about comic books in its form. The form of comic books is a little bit like explain what's going on for people even if it seems a little obvious. And for a little while, comic got super cool and they stopped doing that. And that's why Connor and I are always confused. But in this, there's, they're not doing any of that.
0: And the other thing is with the TV show – I don't want to start getting into gripes with the show. But like one of the problems was the Belters on in the books are very different humanoids than the humans are. And Naomi was that's long and tall and limber – not, limber. well, she was, but, you know, she was, the belters are all longer because they've grew up in space. Their bodies adapted differently. And mm-hmm. there's one scene in here, it's page uh, 12 on your digital reader, where she is t- holding her talking on a table and she's shorter than him. And I was like, shouldn't she be taller? That's
1: a good point. Now, it, what I will At say least,
0: You could draw her taller, even if the actress was shorter. You could, you have the power now to make her more like a belter should look. Well, so in the books you could spot them
1: there's no there's no telling somebody apart you know from somebody who grew up in zero gravity versus somebody who grew up in in earth gravity that's that's the whole deal so they they evolved slightly different they developed differently which totally makes sense is one of the really cool things about the book now if you watch the first season certainly the first episode they really do make an effort they tried to show that and and uh, mostly tom jane not so much he had weird hair he that's did, like, what but they, they still they still tried to elongate everything, and they kind of did that with her as well. But, God, you're you're right. Like, I hadn't – and that's part of the thing about the belt. You just had to get used to it in the TV show because they don't have that many humans like that who can act. Fair enough. But you're right. In the book, you could probably, you know, make her look a little more like she maybe should have.
0: Make her a little taller, a little longer-limbed.
1: Skinny. I think that was the point when I was that.
0: I was like, ah, fuck. I don't really care. Yeah. This is like a light version of the show, which is a light version of the book, so it's just kind of like – what are we doing here? Anyway, but it was fine. <laughs> it wasn't it was fine. a bad comic. It just no. I'd be interested to know if a if a big fan of the books or the shows enjoyed it because it's, it was kind of an inoffensive and in, an interesting comic.
1: Yeah, I thought on the well, whole, well done. You know, yeah, like sure, it was I don't know. Listen, I've have read bad licensed books before. You know, like I feel like they put the effort in. I just don't know if they did it in the right direction. If that makes sense.
0: That's fair. It was
1: ugly to look at. I wasn't lost. I just don't know if ultimately they came up with it. It's very interesting.
0: And it's 12 issues.
1: I'm not going to tell you I'm not reading it. Because <laughs> 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 I, you know why? I want it to be good. I, I do. I really would like, lo- I would like to enjoy this. You know why? Because The Expanse is over. So whatever. Somebody tell me a story. I'll listen to it. Give me a chance. Have you read all of the novellas? I've read most of the novellas. I think there are there a couple that came out afterwards. I think I don't have those yet. Well, yeah, I've read most of you. the novellas. Right, yeah. But reading the novellas while you're reading the overarching story is fine. Reading them afterwards doesn't do it for me cuz you ended mm. the story. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just like the Star Wars books. In the Star Wars books you go in there and you know. You know like like you know what it is and you say, "Well, if I find something I like, good. If not, whatever." But the expanse stuff like To me, that driving narrative to get to the end of that, that was the journey. You know, And Mm -hmm. while you waited between the books, you could read some of these novellas and that was fun. But when it stops, I was like, that's it. I'm good. But I will probably still read those. (laughs) So The Expanse, Dragon Tooth, number one,
0: ratings
1: out of five. I would give our rating of this a... (laughs) Bad. This is not. This is not a good, useful, or, or objective review in any way. And just that's why we I told people that. to
0: skip this segment if they were thinking about the books because this was sure. not a valuable use of art. their time. No, as opposed to reading the books would be. I'm giving this book a two out of five, two point seven five. And you're sticking with it.
1: I'm going to read the next one, Connor. <laughs> I really, I was a big Andy Diggle fan for a long time. I'm going to see what he can pull off. Maybe it'll, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I will tell you, if it's a week where there's a bunch of stuff, there's a very good chance of like, eh, nah, we're not doing that. And then I'll forget <laughs> whether I did or not. Maybe I'll go back and I'll read number five because I lost track. I'm like, oh, I've been reading this, and that'll be it. I am it's not a sticking soft with it. sticking with it. Very so soft.
0: soft. All right, patreon.com slash fanboy. Any patron can vote at a book to the rundown. If you want your voice to be heard, get in there and become a patron, and then Vote, vote, vote. Vote. Also, if you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. It's a way of thanking you for helping us. And this week's patron power goes to Kenneth Kowalski. Kowalchik, Kowalchik. Come on. Kowalchik. I was thinking about Marlon Brando.
1: But you just filled it all in. Kowalski. <laughs> Kowalczyk. Kowalchik. Sorry about that.
0: Whenever Kenneth is around in an area of effect power, let's say of about 20 feet, everyone's just a little confused. Is he here right now? <laughs> He's always here when we record the show. Uh-huh. He just makes everyone just a little cloudy. Like, wait, what? And it's not like an overwhelming thing, You're just a little confused. And it really sort of disrupts the thinking processes of people in that area of effect.
1: Is that difficult for Kenneth? No, it doesn't affect him at all. No, I know, but he's constantly surrounded by. <laughs> slightly confused is it like being at a like a fish show <laughs> no not like
0: that bad it's just everyone's a little confused it's just everyone's just a little off but
1: like, like if he wants to talk to somebody it's hard to he watch like...
0: a show with kenneth because you're like right
1: who's that guy again everyone's... but if he wants to like explain something to you that's complicated does he have to make you go over to the like call me go in the other room <laughs> yes exactly that's a challenge for Kenneth. that's why kenneth
0: is a lot of walkie-talkies because then he can just go to the next room and <laughs>
1: – Well, it makes you wonder what Kenneth's self-awareness and sort of comfortability with him himself is. If he's the kind of person who is insecure and, and you know, needs to feel like he's got something over other people, that would make him feel great. Right. But if he is very secure and just wants, you know, the intimacy of sort of right. loved sharing thoughts with another with other people, he can't ever quite get there.
0: Well, it's, it's not a debilitating. Power. I mean, people are – you know, it's not like people have no mental capacity. It's just a little confused. Like, wait, what? And you're just like, oh, right, right, right. It's like how we, when we talk about comics. It's like everybody's <laughs> a little, like, just
1: woke up. Yeah, exactly.
0: And they're watching, you know, like, wait, wait is that guy a bad guy? Like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Remember, he was, an, oh, right, 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 right. You
1: yeah, know, but then like, they ask
0: again. And Ken's like, Jesus, get it together.
1: <laughs> Take wait, what, some wait,
0: notes. Why did he kill that guy? Oh, you remember he, in you know, the second episode? Oh, right, 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 right. Like, that, you know, it comes back to them, but they're just a little confused.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Wait, was that kind of show already? Yes, yes, yes. I'm yours. very
1: upset that you weren't here for the power I gave out last week because I wanted I to have that, to that discussion that yet, sure, with because you. My lawyers haven't cleared it. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. But I, I feel <laughs> like I should have picked something else because it was kind of for you. But it's Oh, uh, Well, it happens. You're you were desperate. You were on your own. You it's were a man true. alone. I, you just reach for anything that'll come out of your mouth that isn't going to get you <laughs> sued. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/fanboy. Thanks, Kenneth, for being a patron. We do appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, that is the power that is amusing to you. Well, I think. I mean, we're a little long. I think we can do one, one email. Get short. These aren't super long email answers. Martin S. I've been thinking of this question for 24 hours since reading a Comics Journal article on Lee Weeks. The article mentions how Weeks worked with inkers and it elevated his work. This got me thinking about that inking isn't really something you see anymore due to mainly the digital workflows, question mark. No. I haven't seen many books as much where inks add a unique depth like Klaus Janssen or Bill Sienkiewicz. Has the colorist
1: grown in prominence to fill this void? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's listen, no. Well, it's an economic thing, first of all. No, 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 no. We all know why. He's not asking why. Right. The question is, but digital's part of it. He said something you see anymore, mainly due to digital workflows. And I don't think it is fully because of digital workflows. It's mainly digital workflows, yes, because they can just ink on the right. on the
0: tablet. With the that's that's what they said. That's why they do it.
1: Sure, but I'm guessing the budgets like it all shifted because around around that.
0: Stuff. Oh no, they all saw the power to save money but it's mostly because of digital. Right. Most comic creators, creators work in digital, and most of they that's why they don't need it right. anymore. But I don't know that the colorist has grown in prominence, though. That's the word prominence. I don't think it's, I don't think mm. we think of colorists the way we thought of inkers in the '80s when people knew I Klaus and they knew Bill Sikivish, and they they knew uh, Scott Williams, and they knew Terry. Uh, what was his name? Terry Moore,
1: but Austin.
0: Terry Austin. Like people knew those names. I don't know that colors have colors have filled the void oh. in terms of adding depth, but I don't think they've filled the void in terms of
1: prominence in the industry. I don't know that that's true. I think that the color, it, like, I think at the time that you're talking about, you knew those, you didn't really know colorists because they were all kind of doing the same thing. And as di- I think with digital coloring came in, that really became a thing. The only colorist I ever knew was Lynn Varley. Oh, well, that's even before I'm talking about, but yeah. Right, exactly. But I think now when you're talking about adding that extra layer, the colorists are performing that. The character. So you've got you have you have. I mean, I don't know what normal people are like, but I know that if I see Dave Stewart or Jordy Belair or Matt Hollingsworth or you know any number of of those people who, whose names I know, like I know what I'm going to get from it. They bring a flavor. They bring something to the table that adds something narratively. I think they absolutely do fill in that role.
0: Where I'm going to agree with you is they've, you know, because the colors have been added to the covers now, which is something that never happened before. Usually it was just, it was, the anchors would get added to the cover, uh, the rundown, but now colors are there. I just don't know, I, you're right, I don't know how r- a regular non-crazy person thinks, so I don't know. Like us, like we're crazy, I don't know how reg- the regular folks I think,
1: think the colorists used to be a little more in line with how most people think of letterers. They do their job. You don't notice them. Oh, They're sure, yeah. a good job. Yeah, they get out of the way. Whereas now, well, there was I,
0: nothing for them to do in the old days. Yes. The, the days we're talking about, the pre-computer days. They just yeah. did the color flatting,
1: and they, it wasn't like they were shading like they do now. In which, you and which, and sort of really working with palettes because they just had the four-color process or whatever. You know, and now there's enormous control over what something looks like, and and you can bring color theory into it. Yeah, and maybe we even have a population of readers who notice or understand or at least can appreciate what's happening better than they would in the past but, but
0: here's where i do think where martin is correct and where i think colorists haven't taken the spot of inkers and i don't think they can is a bill sienkiewicz inked book looks different sure whereas a colorist isn't going to change the look of the art the colorist is going to enhance the art but a colorist isn't going oh. to change it's not going to change Think about when Bill Sienkiewicz would ink over Mike Norton. It completely changes the look of the art. Now take his inks off there and you have 10 different colorists color Mike Norton's work. It's going to look different for each one, but it's not going to change the nature of the
1: art the way the Bill Sienkiewicz's inks would change. Well, when you say the art, yeah, that's... The lines. Yes. And the lines, yes, you're correct in that sense. But you take a colorist like Jordi Belair or Matt Wilson and you compare them to maybe a lesser known one or i mean it was one of the things where what's interesting is that we were just i was just comparing it to letters in a uh, l- uh, low grade uh, low budget beginner sort of indie comics man the colors and the letterists are always the things that give it away first mm-hmm. absolutely bad colorist will ruin your book faster than anybody else except for the letterer letterer <laughs> will bad letterer will destroy your comic book yeah makes it unreadable but, I mean, I do think that there is enough – there was just – there was no personality in coloring before, and there is now. So it's hard to say. But, if you know, like, you can approach a book, the color of a book, in a million different ways now, and what that page looks like at the end, it's like changing the cinematographer on a movie. Like, it's – isn't going to change – Actually, it is. It's going to affect everything that you look at. That whole finished page is going to be telling you a different story depending on how that's done. Your bright colors, your your dark. You know, your if you decide to do you know a green and orange palette through the whole thing, or whatever it is, it's different. And it's a tool that didn't really exist before in the way it does now. But yes, the ink has subsided from it, or at least the one guy, the one person.
0: It's different. I mean, especially I mean, if you watch videos of inkers, there's still some that a lot of them do commissions now. And mm-hmm. Mark Morales is another big inker. He, he posts a lot of videos on his Instagram of him inking commissions. And you watch the texture that, that he adds. Oh. It's not on the page that you just don't get
1: anymore. Oh, I love it. I love the high wire act of it. I love that there is no. Oh, yeah. He's he's doing it. You, you know, have on the- one motion. And and it, you get it just right, and it works, or everything's fucked. Yeah. There's nothing for that. That's beautiful. It, and it's, it's unfortunate that there's not really a place for it in modern comics, you know, in the sort of month-to-month thing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So I don't know. I I, I, I mean, I guess they have. I guess colors have. Yeah. I mean, you'd be stupid to argue that they haven't grown in prominence. I still don't know they've filled the void in a specific way, but they've certainly grown in prominence, yes. Yeah. So there you go. Martin S., thanks for writing in com. He wrote in, you can write in yourself. You can write in for our Media explode show, put Blood in the subject line. But we love our questions and we love getting them. So keep writing them in. They're fun to do. And now we will end the show with our plugs. This past week, we had our Media explode show. We did Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, a mini review of that. I actually did 15 minutes on it. It was longer than I thought we did. And then we ranked the films of Quentin Tarantino for half an hour, which was, was incredibly fun and very nostalgic. If you're the same age as we are, you probably will enjoy that conversation. Probably. Next week, will we have a talk explode? Who knows? We'll find out. I have something scheduled. I know you've got it scheduled. I'm just saying it hasn't happened right. yet, so we'll see. Yeah, exactly. But, it,
1: but this isn't a. There's booths on the ground. Right.
0: So there you go. And then in two weeks, sees the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Will we have a review of it? Hopefully, yes. When will it come out? We're not sure yet. But that's on the agenda. So those are your special edition shows in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully you will enjoy those.
1: Folks. You can you can find our library of over thirteen hundred shows and counting at ifanboy.com, wherever podcasts are sold, bought, produced, distributed, manufactured, manufactured, traded. or sold, or bought.
0: I'm trying to get us inserted
1: into various trade deals. Sure. Trade yeah. deals. What could go wrong there? You can follow <laughs> us at iFanboy Comics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. Sometimes you'll find the best of the week in panels there when possible. You can follow Connor and I on Instagram individually on at CSKilpatrick and at JA Flanagan.
0: Yeah. You're going to You watch the news. There's going to be a report from the G20. In, the, in late development, the trade deal was derailed by the last-minute submission of a comic book podcast into the deal that no one wanted. That's us. Pork belly podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, where are we in the script? All right. Subscribe. Uh, YouTube.com slash iFanboys where you can find our old video shows as well as uh, this show that comes out every week on YouTube. Sometimes it's late because of traveling and things and people don't have their programs that they need to do on the road. So occasionally when travel and vacation happens, the show is delayed by a week and we can't do much about that. we got life, man. What are you going to do? Leaving a review, a star rating or a review. However podcasts are reviewed, wherever you listen to them, whether it's Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever, please consider living one for this show and for any podcast you do listen to. It helps people find the shows, Helps the algorithms know that they are important enough to promote and not just drop them into the abyss of a million podcasts that are out there. And so we thank you for doing so. And any podcast that you review, will thank you for doing so. And that's it. We're back this week. Yay. It's just me and you. And then next week, another one of us goes away. <laughs> it's that time of the year. Ah, uh, that's right. Oh, it's me.
1: I miss you, you next week. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fine.
0: And then I'm gone the week after. No, I'm not. I'll be here. Oh, uh. I'll be here. Stick with something oh, wait. for once in your life, Kilpatrick. Oh, wait. I, actually, I may not be on the show the week after. It's a, very, it's a very weird time of year. It's a very weird time of year.
1: You know what ruins lives? Weddings. They ruin everybody's lives except the people getting married and sometimes those people too. Sometimes it adds a great deal of value to a life. I was gone last week for a wedding. You're gone next week. And then I have
0: a 40th birthday thing the week after. It's
1: not yours,
0: <laughs> <laughs> not mine. God damn, it's not no. mine. My next wedding, and hopefully my last wedding ever, is yeah. uh, not for another month. Good no month one I month. know is allowed to get
1: divorced and remarried. People who get remarried in their like forties and fifties—they don't have like a big thing. Like, Come if you want. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta stop this. All right, because I'm married. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>